you know, everyone's going through this together. Everyone's going to have a number of questions. It's just certainly an, everyone's opportunity to really look at this as early as they can, because the sooner that we you understand the uh, the challenges and the opportunities that you have to overcome, the better you can use the runway leading into the time that it becomes effective. Welcome to Focus, a podcast dedicated to the business of higher education. I'm your host, Heather Richmond, and we will be exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's higher learning institutions. In today's episode, we are joined by Waleed Barakat, the Senior Vice President of IT Governance, Risk, and Compliance at Global Payments, to discuss the new PCI DSS 4.0 and its impact on the higher ed community. Hi, Waleed. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Looking forward to the conversation, Heather. Great. Well, you know, we're here to talk about the new PCI DSS 4.0. But before we dive into that, can you give the audience a quick overview of your background? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I've had the pleasure of uh, really investing the majority of my uh, career with Global Payments uh, and had the opportunity to wear a few different hats. Back in 2004, uh, I initially started out in the quality assurance uh, department testing point-of-sale applications. I then moved into application migration planning, and then for the last seven years have been part of the governance, risk, and compliance team. I'm currently senior vice president with approximately 30 team members across four different towers of responsibility, including PCI compliance, merchant compliance, IT risk, and cloud business office. Well, it sounds like you're the right guy to talk about PCI compliance today. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I've had uh, a few different uh, opportunities to gain some uh, unique uh, experiences, uh, both in our our growing organization and from the merchant perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, let's talk about what PCI compliance is and why it's important for our listeners. Uh, The PCI Council's approach in defining a common security standard for organizations which engage in card processing is great because it provides a consistent approach in validating security controls that's recognized globally. Uh, and that, that common standard um, is, uh, is a great yardstick for organizations to understand their level of maturity and how it applies universally. Well, I think it really helps. A lot of times I know that we want to be in compliance, but if we don't have the guidelines or rules to follow, then we may not know what we're doing. So that makes it a really nice place. It does. And the, the opportunity, the way the standard is written to partner with uh, an assessor uh, to understand and learn from their experience as well and, and look at advisements that, that they have in maturing your own program, I think is, is unique that, that PCI offers you. Yeah, it really does. So, you know, we've been hearing a lot about the upcoming uh, 4.0 framework, but now it's here. So what is PCI DSS 4.0 and how is it different from the previous frameworks? Can you expand on that? Sure. It's it's a pretty significant rewrite of the existing uh, 3.2.1 standard. Um, And that's been around for uh, approximately 10 years with minor revisions to it. So it does represent a pretty significant change. Uh, The the council has really looked at this for a number of years, solicited um, a volume of feedback from the PCI community, and incorporated that into this this published standard. And ultimately, what they've decided to do is really revamp the entire document. Um, It's a full rewrite. It's restructured uh, in terms of the way that the requirements are numbered and and ordered. Uh, They've broken out certain requirements um, to dissect them and be more specific about what is uh, the intent behind those requirements and how to validate them. Um, And there are some net new requirements to really drive best practices, recommendations 
uh, and enhanced accountability for organizations to maintain compliance year-round, not just when it's time for the assessment um, or working directly with an assessor. So it really is um, a fresh new look at that security standard um, in light of uh, how technologies are continuing to evolve and change, our payment channels are changing, uh, and of course the, the threats that we all face from day to day are continuing to evolve. Right. And it's always more than just checking the boxes of compliance and the standard, right? The goal of it is to ensure security year-round, right? Yeah. Ultimately, uh, when you do sign off on your report on compliance or your self-assessment questionnaire, um, it really is um, an attestation that says, you know, this is a snapshot in time, but we are intending to meet these requirements Um, Mm year-round. And that demonstration of those uh, business as usual processes are, are certainly something that the assessor really seeks to understand when he's going through the environment, when he's looking at the evidence, and most certainly when he's talking to people. He wants to know that uh, there aren't um, specific, uh, you know, rehearsed answers that that stakeholders are providing them, but are more just giving them uh, an understanding of their just day-to-day activities that incorporate compliance and security controls. Yeah, it's really, you know, really important, I think, about for our campuses and really maintaining the reputation and hopefully not having breaches and making sure you have security and compliance. And a lot of times with lots of merchants across a campus, it does get confusing to understand, you know, what all do I have to do to say I'm compliant? So being able to have um, these rules in place and be able to follow it, especially with sounds like some of the, the way they've done the restructuring has made it a little bit clearer to understand, would you say? Yeah, there's, there's certainly more testing uh, guidance that's provided, um, but there's also the flexibility uh, in the event that you do have uh, a unique environment with some unique technologies that may meet the intent of the control mm-hmm. in maybe a, um, a non-specific way that's being called out. It gives you that latitude to work with your assessor to educate them on what your security risk posture is, how you've um, sought to meet it. Um, the processes, the people, and the technologies that you put in place. Um, and the, the new standard really gives you that opportunity to, to tailor your validation approach to your environment, again, through your partnership with your assessor. Yeah, that's really great. I like that it's able to tailor because not all merchants are the same, and especially when it comes to a college campus. They're all different for sure. So. Awesome. So what's the timing? I know that they like to always phase in, like, here are the requirements and here's how much time you have to absorb it and then actually comply. So what's the timing of 4.0 going to affect? Yeah, the the council has really um, taken into account, again, a lot of feedback uh, going through the development of the standard. Yeah. uh, And they understand that organizations have a number of priorities that they're they're seeking to maintain. And introducing a new standard is, uh, is something that is very challenging to accommodate. So They've offered a phased-in approach for these requirements. Okay. Uh, beginning in March 2024, um, there are uh, a small set of the requirements that become effective. Okay. And those requirements are focused on defining roles and responsibilities and your higher-level risk posture. That then sets you up for the remaining requirements that become effective in March of 2025. And when you do start digging into those requirements, you start to understand uh, why it's been phased in this way and how it actually helps organizations to prepare to accommodate all of those those particular requirements. 
Yeah, that's great. It does sound like there's some time then to really, you know, we're talking a couple of years or a little less than that to really uh, get up to speed on what we have to do and, and the roles and responsibilities and kind of really gives the, you know, our schools this year and next year to really be prepared to line up. So, um, but it does sound like there's a lot to understand, uh, especially since it's all new. So where do you suggest, you know, really recommend getting started to understand how all this is going to impact a campus? Um, yeah, there's there's certainly a lot to uh, to mm-hmm. digest there, and so I would encourage um, all the schools out there and universities to take advantage of the time uh, between now and 2024 to really um, to partner with your assessor to really understand what your current security posture is and um, look at their guidance that they may be able to offer you as they've worked with you in in prior years um, to see where you might need to provide additional emphasis and maturity into controls. That partnership, again, um, should be a pretty transparent opportunity to look at your upcoming assessments as an opportunity to get through the current assessment while looking at uh, a different lens for what 4.0 could mean. And another uh, opportunity that really should be examined as well is uh, the opportunity to bring on um, ISA training to some team members that are already embedded in the organization. So what an ISA is, is a a PCI council program, an internal security assessor, which provides that training to someone on staff, gives them the understanding of the the standard itself, the overall PCI process, what it takes to create these reports on compliance, gives them the, the ins and outs of what PCI really is all about. And if you have someone like that on staff, it gives you the advantage to um, to apply that knowledge into your environment and being able to leverage that and continuing to to help them uh, lead the organization in understanding what changes need to be made again gives you that tailored aspect what does 4.0 mean to me specifically to how we process so those are two ways that i would uh, i would suggest approaching it that makes a lot of sense. So just kind of thinking about, would you say that most organizations either do have or should have an ISO, or is that, you know, something that's that's new or should be looked upon as as a strategy? I certainly would um, would promote it. Uh, I've okay. seen a lot of value in my own personal uh, observations there, both in my company as well as working with assessors and seeing how they partner directly with ISAs. When the the QSA the the Investor comes on site and they find someone that they can speak that common knowledge with, right. you see an, an instant bond and you see things start to, um, to really move forward uh, with less friction, with greater understanding, because there's always a, a learning curve for assessors to come into an environment. But when they have someone that, that they know has gone through the training, um, they can communicate really what their intent is, what types of evidence that they're looking for. And that person that that may be an ISA can easily translate how that's met in their environment. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of our campuses, you know, do have like a their own version of PCI Council, right? Or they have a team that really comes together to make sure and ensure compliance and read through the through the rules. And so it sounds like it would be beneficial to take that that next step if they haven't already and have somebody that's on that committee become an ISA potentially. And, and like you said, speaking that common language when you have the assessor come to campus and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the, the added benefit when it comes to 4.0 is, 
is the council coming out and saying for anyone who is an ISA, they will offer free 4.0 transition training, essentially saying if okay. you understand what PCI um, 321 is, the current version today, we will train you on how to understand what 4.0 means. So again, um, having someone on your staff uh, that can translate it into what it looks like in your day to day is a uh, is a, a really great advantage to be able to have leading into. Yeah, that is really great. And so really just a matter of working with the PCI Council to, you know, first you would define that person who will be your ISA. They would do training to become an ISA and then also be able to get the uh, free training for 4.0. Is that what I understood? Yep, that's a, that's exactly it. And they would also be uh, made aware of, um, of different types of um, documentation and support uh, presentations and recordings and, and webinars that the PCI Council will offer from time to time um, to continue to encourage uh, adoption and understanding about the overall process. Oh, I think that's wonderful. Again, we talked to some of our schools and they they do, you know, for their merchants or on campus, try to have a, a training that they have every year. And so being able to have those resources would be really helpful. So that that's great to know. Thanks for letting me know that. So it sounds like there's, you know, really with 4.0, there's a lot more responsibility and ownership placed on the merchants. So kind of thinking again about uh, higher education and in a campus, um, what would your what would the approach be that you'd recommend? Um, in terms of understanding your own accountabilities, it's it's certainly not. Um, this is a, a great chance to really review your security posture, um, really look at how controls are, are being met today and really ensuring that there are defined accountabilities uh, okay. between various teams and departments for the, again, the BAU, the business as usual, ongoing day-to-day tasks of who's meeting those specific security controls. Um, looking through that, ensuring that everyone's on the same page so that when things start to evolve, whether within uh, a merchant's environment or a standard itself, everyone understands their own roles and responsibilities and how they should partner together to really achieve that overall compliance view. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know that obviously through the years, um, our our schools have definitely tried to minimize their footprint and working with, you know, great partners, but what's left for them to do? Or is there something that's changing too because of the new framework? Um, There's always uh, the opportunity to to minimize uh, the the security profile, the the risk, the right. surface area that attackers can um, can can try to, to penetrate, mm-hmm. and so uh, the the council has always um, been a proponent of segmentation, and uh, in the most common form, really uh, multi-factor authentication has really become the standard um, for both PCI applications and non-PCI applications. And in our own day to day, with almost every application on my phone, it's asking me for some form of MFA. So, right. Um, it really does help uh, provide um, a defining line between an external footprint uh, and your your internal uh, PCI environment. So being able to ensure that you've got MFA in place, that you've got appropriate security controls and firewalls um, and that perimeter um, locked down and as appropriately documented as possible really does minimize um, the scope and threat vector not just for uh, your PCI scope and how you're being assessed, but for your overall security posture. 
right? So you're telling me uh, that we can let all the schools know all that pain last year of getting MFA implemented and communicated out to all their users was worth it, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's certainly a control that has become the standard sure. um, across a number of different industries. Absolutely. Like you said, you can you see it everywhere now. And, and I think even thinking about a college campus that if because we're so used to that now as consumers or users that if I were to go to a campus and I wasn't asked for, you know, to, to put in my tax, I have a two factor, I'd be like, what's going on here? Right. Exactly. So thinking about all these changes and again, a lot of the things have already happened from a technology standpoint that they've been able to now say, Hey, we've done this. Um, what advice do you have for, you know, any organizations that are really navigating all of these changes? It's uh, it's really looking at it from their own, within their own organization, within their own business, um, again, going back to the roles and responsibilities, mm-hmm. how they apply a full compliance program, how they're able to tell a full story about their incorporation of their, their governance that's applied in the day-to-day role. Um, those organizations that, are, that have documentation, that have that understanding, uh, can really provide a cohesive understanding to an assessor uh, and to themselves as well to, again, understand what these new requirements actually mean and how they're intending to, to meet it. Uh, the council is um, really ramping up a lot of uh, awareness documentation um, in the next few months, uh, really beginning at the end of June, where they're going to be offering that, that ISA training that we spoke about earlier. Right. Um, so I would encourage um, you know, everyone in the community to be, make good use of that documentation. Uh, when there are questions that, that do arise, um, there are forums to provide those those questions back to the council, but to also partner again with the assessor. Um, for those of uh, of the audience that maybe have long term partnerships with assessors, they've got a good intimate understanding of the environment. So just having frank conversations with them to say, we know that this new standard is coming. We've started to take a look at it. We've got some um, initial understanding about what we're going to do, but we'd like to have a dialogue. I would encourage um, organizations to really maybe set aside some time before the assessment so that you're not under the pressure of meeting this year's particular assessment mm, to just yeah. start that dialogue and see what, what guidance um, the assessor may offer. Because a lot of them are writing their own white papers and have their own game plans that they're, they're more than happy to offer. Yeah, that's a really great idea. I think the more communication it's sounding like in general, the better. So from having those meetings and conversations uh, with the assessor to the documentation, that's so key. And I think probably especially as there's turnover and there's transition to be able to have everything documented just so someone could come in and really, you know, not not skip a beat is really probably what they're thinking, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, it's it's going to be a challenge for everyone to overcome this. Um, and just having an, an open dialogue as early as possible, I think we'll get everyone comfortable with it um, sooner rather than later. For sure. Now, you were saying, uh, so the PCI Council, they're going to provide some of these resources. Now, is that something that anybody has access to to go out on the website? Or is there? do you have to be in ISA to get access? Or do you have a little bit of information on that? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, the Council has made the new 4.0 standard available to everyone. Uh, and that was uh, first published at the end of March. Great. So anyone who accesses the, the PCI Council website uh, simply goes in, uh, checks a few boxes, confirms um, uh, how they're using the documentation, and they're able to download the entire document. 
It also provides a summary of changes, uh, comparison to the prior standard, again, which is cliff notes, if you will, um, okay. for rapid uh, kind of understanding. Um, and they're going to continue to publish um, awareness documentation um, there about how to adopt it, some common questions that I'm sure they're going to continue to receive, um, and, and probably some more specific information, I think, as time goes on and they, they continue to acquire more feedback. So you do not have to be an ISA, um, just simply um, really anyone that, that accesses that public website should be able to access the documentation. That's wonderful. And so, yeah, thanks so much about that. Uh, we'll make sure that we have those resources attached to the description in this episode. So anybody listening, uh, we'll make it easy for you as well to go and access those links to, to get this information. Anything else that you think, again, kind of going into Ford Auto that would be important to understand or know that you want to share today? Uh, I would just um, I would just say that, you know, everyone's going through this together. Everyone's going to have a number of questions. Yeah. Um, it's just certainly in everyone's opportunity to really look at this as early as they can, uh, to have open, frank conversations, again, internally and with their assessor. Um, because the sooner that we you understand the, uh, the challenges and the opportunities that you have to overcome, um, the better you can use the runway leading into the time that it becomes effective. Absolutely. That sounds great. Well, Waleed, thank you so much for lending your expertise today on this topic. We really appreciate your insights. Like you said, we're all in this together. Exactly. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Focus. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the business of higher education. For more information, check us out at touchnet.com.